This is Bethesda Broadcast, podcast ministry of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today, we get to hear the second part of a message from John chapter 15. The title of today's message is A Portrait of Discipleship, Part 2. Today, Pastor Roy will be talking about our relationship to each other. We encourage you to open up your Bibles to John 15 and discover along with us how we are to relate to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Here is Pastor Roy Burkert from Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. John chapter 15, we are going to pick back up uh, with part two on a portrait of discipleship, uh, talking about fruitfulness. Uh, Last week, we talked about a relationship to Christ. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about finish talking about that first one, and then our relationship to one another, and finally our relationship to the world. Last week, we talked about Jesus being the true vine. We said no other substitute vine will work in connecting us to God. Um, I laid out a pair of jumper cables up here last week, and I talked about a live battery and a dead battery. And the fact that the only way that that live juice can get from that live battery to the dead battery is through that cable being connected to both. And in a sense, that's what we have with Jesus Christ. We have God the gardener, Jesus the vine, the branches being the believer. And the only way the believer can have life is through being connected to Jesus the vine who connects us to the living God. And the power of God then flows through that vine and pushes out to the branches to you and to I. Prior to our salvation, to our connection to that vine, the Bible tells me I am spiritually dead. There is no way for me to regenerate myself. Just as a dead battery cannot regenerate itself, it needs an external source. And we have that in God the Father. We also talked about last week that God is active in his work of making me a disciple of Jesus. And how is he doing that? He is pruning and cutting back the branches. He cuts off the dead branches and he trims the live ones. And I shared with you how in my own life the pruning process is very painful. But you know what? I'm glad that God takes us through it. I don't like it when I'm going through it, but I like the results and the fruit of that And I shared with you last week how I thought I was going to be the pastor of this large church and how God closed that door and how painful that was. But you know what? I would not have been the pastor you needed at this church had I not gone through that painful experience. I really believe that. And so it is vital. God changes us from the inside out and makes us what he wants us to be. So he's active. What is he doing in your life right now? What kind of pruning is God doing in your life? And are you willing to say, God, here's my life. Prune out the deadness. Prune out those things that are disrupting you from flowing through me. Here's what we're going to talk about this morning. The secret to fruitfulness is abiding in Christ. That is the absolute key. If you were to read through this passage again in John 15, you would find in seven verses the word remain. Remain. Notice what he says. Pick up in verse 4. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Remain means to abide. There's a constancy there. And the purpose of remaining in Jesus Christ is that we would bear spiritual fruit in our lives. That God would flow through us. What kind of fruit is produced from this fellowship with Christ? Namely, the fruit of the Spirit. You see, when you and I are connected to the vine and we have fellowship with Jesus Christ, when I fellowship with Jesus Christ, I encounter the character of Christ. And when you and I encounter the character of Christ, we will bear the fruit of Christ. We will bear the fruit of the Spirit. When I am connected to Jesus Christ and I am come face to face in the Bible with the character of Jesus Christ, I will begin to bear out the fruit of Jesus Christ in my life as I honor Jesus Christ. Living in constant fellowship with Christ, he says in verse 5, again, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. How? By living in constant fellowship with Christ. That is the key, that we spend time with him. Look at some of the fruits of the Spirit here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, love. How I talk, listen, how I talk about other people is largely influenced by how much I love them. If I love this person, I will talk about them in a different way than if I don't love them and care about them. That I am committed to growing with this person. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm willing to say, you know what? I see some areas of growth in their life, and I'm sure they see areas of growth in my life, but I'm committed to growing together with them. That the character of Christ would be manifest in them and would be manifest in me. We're on the same team, aren't we? (laughs) Aren't we worshiping the same God? We are. So I want the character of Christ to be developed in you, and you should want it to be developed in in me. I think about joy, being cheerful, lifting people up. I had the privilege one time of meeting Chuck Swindoll when I was taking a doctoral class out at Dallas Seminary, and I wanted to go visit his church, and I wanted to take the opportunity to meet him, so I went up. They had a line in the front of the church, and I I still remember walking up to him, and I said, my name, and I said, I'm, a, I'm taking a class at Dallas Seminary on expository preaching. He said, I believe in that. <laughs> I said, great. And, uh, but anyhow, when I introduced myself, here's what he did, and I'll never forget this. He said, my name is Roy Burkett. I'm a student at uh, Dallas Seminary. He stepped back, and he said, look at you. <laughs> look at you. 
that God is using you, and, and, and I was just touched by his cheerfulness and his joy and his desire just to build me up in just a few seconds of time. Do you lift people up with your joy? Peace, not controlled by other people or circumstances. I have an internal calm. I'm not agitated and emotionally upset. Some people, you just walk in the room and you can almost tell they're emotionally upset. There's no joy. There's no peace in their life. And the world is hanging on their shoulders. Now, we have difficulties for sure. But for the most part, Christians should be joyful. And that peace should be there. Patience, where we're yielded to God's timetable. So many people want their way in their timing. And God is saying, no, I want you to be yielded to my timetable and my agenda. That it's more important. Kindness, a sweet disposition. He goes on to say, goodness, moral excellence. When we are connected to Jesus Christ in fellowship, this is the fruit that should be in our lives. All of these things. Moral excellence, faithfulness, where we have consistency and steadfastness in our relationship with God. Gentleness as well, not being abrasive with people. Some people are like bulls in china shops. God wants us not to be abrasive like sandpaper. Some people just rub the, cat, the fur on the cat the wrong way. And, you know, being gentle in our voice, in our approach, to have a kind disposition, self-control, having control of our emotions is vital. Uh, and control of our, our tongue as well is vital. And notice he says, against such there is no law. But we don't have time to focus on all those in detail. But that's our fellowship with Christ that brings that fruit. The second thing is to be occupied with God's word. Occupied with God's word. That my heart and my mind are engaged with God's truth. And it impacts me. It has an impact on how I think. I want to think about how can I be a better disciple. I want to meditate on God's word. The psalmist said, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. That's my goal is to hide God's word, to be occupied with God's word. He tells us in Colossians 3.16 to let the word of Christ, what, dwell in us. Let it be at home in my life. Not just on Sunday morning, on Tuesday afternoon, on Thursday morning, on Friday night, on Saturday night when I'm out with my friends, that the word of God is dwelling in me richly that it's dwelling in me richly in how I interact with my family and my friends. It dwells in me. It is at home richly. It's in me as I teach and admonish one another. Thirdly, that we experience answers to prayer. Now let me say this. When we live in constant fellowship with Christ and we are occupied with God's word, then we will experience answers to prayer. We will bring glory to God and provide a witness to others that we are disciples of Jesus. When I am in constant fellowship with Christ, when we are occupied with God's word, 
then we will experience answers to prayer. I believe that. Notice he says in John 15, 7, If you remain in me, and my words, all of God's teaching, remains in us, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. You say, well, I want that brand new car. <laughs> yeah, God just, and here's the color I want, and here's the kind of wheels I want, and here's the interior I want. And No, that's not what it's talking about. He's saying to ask according to his will. If we go back to John chapter 14, he kind of clarifies it in John 14. Look in verses 13 and 14. I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Son may be glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. He said, according to my will. When you and I are in constant fellowship with Jesus Christ and we are filled with the word of God, we will be filled with the will of God and that's how we will pray. And the Spirit of God will work. I believe that with all my heart. We pray with confidence because God hears us. Notice he says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. There's a confidence in a person who is living in fellowship with God and who is filled with the word of God. Fourthly, the result is it brings glory to God. Notice in verse 8. He says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In fact, that's the only reason God has left us here on the face of the earth and hasn't taken us to heaven immediately after salvation is to bring glory to the Father. How do we do that? We're going to talk more about that in just a moment. Philippians 1.11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Notice he says the fruit of righteousness comes how? Through Jesus Christ, through the vine that connects us, the branch, to God that flows through the vine. To us. And just as a vine pushes energy into the branch, and that branch bears fruit solely because it is connected to the vine, the branch doesn't bear fruit by itself. The power, the source, is just the very fact that it is abiding, remaining connected to the vine, and it bears fruit spontaneously, naturally, does that. And God is saying that will happen in our lives. So the question is this, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God. Does this that I'm involved in bring glory to God? What I hear a lot of people say is, well, this isn't really that bad. <laughs> I mean, you know, it only has, that's not even the right question. The question is, will this bring glory to God? Or will this activity that I'm engaging in detract from the glory of God or not? That really should be what we're involved in. Does it detract from God's glory or does it add to his glory and honor him in what I'm doing? A.W. Pink, who was a theologian, he said this 
he kind of summarized our life in Christ. Life in Christ is salvation. That is our life. It is salvation. Secondly, life with Christ is fellowship. Again, we're connected, we're fellowshipping with Jesus Christ, sharing with him. Life by Christ is fruit-bearing. And lastly, life for Christ is service. So here we have life in Christ is salvation. That's our connection. Our life with Christ is fellowship. That's our continuation. Our life by Christ is fruit-bearing. That's the cultivation. And our life for Christ is service. That is our contribution. Let's talk about two characteristics of discipleship. And he talks about here. Here we're talking about a portrait of discipleship. The first one is walking in obedience to God. He tells us, if you remain in me, my words remain in you. You can ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then he goes on to say in verse 9, As a father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. I am seeking in this obedience to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So that whether I'm searching on the internet, whether I'm looking through a magazine, whether I'm out with friends, Whatever I am doing, I am seeking to bring every thought obedient to Christ. And I don't know about you, but I have a lot of thoughts that are not obedient to Christ. I get bombarded. And the only way that I can filter those out is the Bible says, I, he says, what did he say back in verse 3? Look back here. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. How does a young man keep his way pure? By taking heed thereto according to your word. It is only through the word of God that I can filter out all those non-Christian thoughts that I have frequently. <laughs> and that's why I have to be in the word frequently because those thoughts come to me frequently. As, as frequent as those thoughts come is as frequent as I need to be in God's word. Because they come, and they come, and they come, and they center around the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the thoughts I have. Those are the ones that Satan bombards us with, and we've got to get rid of those and walk in obedience to Christ. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 5, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. In 1 John 5, 3, he says, This is love for God, to obey his commands... And his commands are not burdensome. In John 14, 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. It is our obedience that shows the demonstration of our love for God. How obedient we are really shows how loving we are toward God. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Did you catch that? He says, he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and will show myself to him. In other words, the key to God revealing himself to us is our obedience. If we want to understand more of the character of God, if we want to understand more of the word of God, it's my obedience to God that will bring that to fruition. The second characteristic of discipleship is experiencing Fullness of joy. 
experiencing fullness of joy. Coach Tom Landry, some of you will remember, he was the coach of the Dallas Cowboys who had his own style and way of doing things. And he had a former Dallas Cowboy running back, Walt Garrison, was asked one time if he'd ever seen Coach Landry smile. No, said Walt, but I was only on his team for nine years. <laughs> um, how sad. How sad to name the name of Christ, be connected to the vine, to be in the word of God. In fact, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can be connected to the vine, be in fellowship with Christ, be filled with the word of God, and walk around with a long face all the time. I don't think that's possible. Because somehow that joy gets to the surface. <laughs> Smile. <laughs> there you go. Good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it gets to the surface. It just comes out. Even Paul and Silas, it says in Acts 16, when they were beaten and they were thrust in the prison in the Philippian jail, it says at midnight they prayed and sang praises to God and the other prisoners were listening. And do you think they were singing with defeat? They were singing with joy. Absolute joy. We can experience that as well as disciples of Christ. He tells us that I want you to be full of joy. Look in verse 11. I have told you this so my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete in Jesus Christ. Well, we need to go on. Our relationship to one another, characterized by sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. That's how we show love to one another. And why do we do that? Because here's what Jesus says in verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. That is sacrificial love. However, I want to share with you what I believe are four hindrances to sacrificial love. That... And I, what I want you to do is, as we go through this list, put a little check mark in your notes next to the one that maybe you need to grow in. I can tell you this, I didn't go through this list without a check mark. So if you can, maybe you need to talk to me and counsel me. Um, but here they are. Hindrances to sacrificial love, pride. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Um, when these people attain my spiritual level, I'll invite them to fellowship with me. When you reach my level, I'll sit down and talk with you. Uh, I'm far too sophisticated and educated to fellowship with that person, to demonstrate love to that person. I don't have those kind of people in my home. Hmm. I mean, are you kidding me? You, did you see what that guy's wearing? He's got an earring on. Did you see that tattoo he's wearing? I mean, I don't associate with those kind of people. I might get a disease. <laughs> That's pure pride, my friend. Do we know where that person has come from? Do we know that maybe they came from a broken home, maybe a fatherless home? Maybe they've never been exposed to anything like I have. And how blessed I am. 
But if I become so stinking pride and arrogant, it will kill love. Sacrificial love. And there's simple things we can do. Just sitting next to someone in church is a big deal. Could be a very big deal to them. And it can make a great difference in their life. But so many times we're like, you know, this person doesn't deserve my love. They don't measure up to my standards. They don't fit my criteria of the kind of people I hang with. <laughs> well, what kind of people do you want to hang with? Uh, what kind of people did Jesus hang with? Tax collectors and sinners. I mean, he gave us the example, didn't he? But let's look in 3 John 9 and 10. I wrote to the church... Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us. And notice it says, who loves to be first. Pride. Gossips maliciously. Why? Because he wants to be first. And no way he can be first, put everybody else down. <laughs> Push them down. He goes on to say that he refuses to welcome the brothers. And he also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. How many want diatrophies in your church? <laughs> I mean, that's sad, isn't it? He's talking about someone in the church who would act that way. You know, if this person can't add to my life and help my cause, I don't want anything to do with them. <laughs> if they can't scratch my back, I'm not going to take a plum nickel to scratch theirs. I don't know what a plum nickel is, but it sounds good. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. It is not rude. He's talking about love. It is not self-seeking. Thank you for listening to Bethesda Broadcast today. We will be back to the message shortly. Due to a problem with our recording, we missed a small portion of the message today. Pastor Roy is talking about hindrances to sacrificial love. The second hindrance that he mentions is fear. It is after sharing this point that we pick up the rest of the message. Somebody's going to talk to me. Somebody's going to ask me something. They're going to see my weakness. They're going to see my imperfection. And I'm afraid of opening my heart for potential hurt and disappointment. I can almost guarantee you hurt and disappointment will come. But I can tell you the reward far outweighs the negative. Here's what the Bible says. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. No fear in love. There's safety and security in love. Thirdly is ignorance. Ignorance. Some people have never experienced a loving relationship. They've been rejected. They've been abused. They've been spoken to harshly, critically, negatively. No positive feedback. And they're totally ignorant of what a, a healthy, loving relationship even looks like. They've never felt it. They've never seen it. They've never experienced it. And I hope if they come to church, they would by me and by you, <laughs> mostly. 
totally ignorant. And so we can educate them and they can experience that in the body of Christ. Oh, that would be my heart. You know, I would love for this church to hug more. <laughs> that we would just be more huggy <laughs> and loving. Um, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a wonderful thing. I need to do that more. And we just need to do that. Ignorant. Um, Ephesians 4.18 says, They are darkened in their understanding talking about Gentiles and their understanding of God and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They were so ignorant about God and when you're ignorant about God, you're ignorant about what true love really is because God is love. And so we become ignorant about how love really functions. And that's why we need that fellowship with Christ. And we need to be in God's word because that teaches me how to love and be that person that God wants me to be. The fourth one is spiritual immaturity. Spiritual immaturity. Here's what Paul said to the Corinthian church. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. He said, I have to feed you milk instead of meat, because he said you weren't ready for the meat, and he says you're still not ready for the meat. What a sad commentary for a church to not be ready for meat, to want to be entertained, to want their ears tickled, rather than to grow up in Christ and to become mature in Jesus Christ and become mature in our love, so what does Paul do? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he outlines what love really is, how love is to behave, how it is to look, because he said, you people do not understand biblical love at all. And he talks about love is patient, and it is not rude, and all those things, self-seeking. Now let me ask you a question. Which one of the four do you struggle with the most? How will you pray about this? What changes do you want to see God make in your life in this area? Or are you just going to listen and say, well, that was a good sermon, and walk out totally unchanged? I hope that won't happen. Let me give you a basis for sacrificial love. Number one, it is grounded in Jesus Christ. Love listen, is grounded in being loved. Let me say that again. Love is grounded in being loved. The reason I can love another person is because God has poured his love into me. The reason I can reach out and care about another person is because God has cared about me. And I know that. And that brings the security and the ability and the source of my love for somebody else. It's not my love, it's God's love. I'm just a channel through which that love flows to that other person. And that's what God wants to do. It is grounded in Jesus Christ. He says in 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Corey Ten Boom said, connected with him in his love, I am more than conqueror. Without him, I am nothing. 
Like some railway tickets in America, not good if detached. We're connected. And because of that, God is able to do a great work in our lives. For the sake of time, I'm going to hold the last one, but I want to share this with you. This lady was praying and asking God about how God could use her to be fruitful. And I'm going to close with this. She was an elderly woman, and she heard a sermon where she felt God was encouraging her to look for ways where she could use her gifts and situation to minister to the needs of others. She thought about her gifts, and she had been told by others she had the gift of hospitality. She lived alone in a small apartment near a large university. She had her afternoons free. She pondered the needs around her and the people who tugged at her heartstrings. To her mind came the students nearby who were far away from home. It was then she got an idea that was strange and simple. She took a stack of three by five cards and she wrote on each of those cards the following words. Are you homesick? Come to my house at 4 p.m. for tea. She included a phone number, an address, and then she posted those cards all around the campus. After a slow start, homesick students began trickling into her house each week for tea. When she died 10 years later, 80 honorary pallbearers attended her funeral. Each one had been a student who at one time found a hot cup of tea a sense of home, and the gospel of Jesus in this little elderly lady's heart. That's what it's all about. Let's stand for a word of prayer. I would ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And ask you, what does God want to do in your life this morning? What is hindering the spiritual fruit in your life? What is hindering God's love from flowing through you? You know, it's one thing to pray about it. It's another thing to begin to act on the prayer and say, God, I'm going to do this by your grace. I'm going to talk to one person today that is out of my comfort zone. Just one. I'm going to take a step of faith, a step of obedience, and God, I'm going to trust you to help me. I want you to expand my love. You know how you, you know how God expands love? By exercising it. We exercise it. We practice it. That's how it will expand. And that would be my desire for Bethesda Church, that we would expand our love, that it would grow and be everything God wants it to be. Just like this elderly lady did. Maybe you're here this morning, and the reason you have trouble loving is that you have not really experienced the love of Christ, the forgiveness of Christ, to be connected to the vine. And I would encourage you to give your life to Christ. 
to realize you violated his law and you need Jesus Christ. If you have questions about your relationship with Jesus, I'd be glad to talk with you after the service or find someone to talk with about your spiritual need. For those of us who are Christians, that we would be connected to Jesus Christ in fellowship, that we would allow God's word to be hidden in our hearts, that we would bring glory to God through our fruit. Let's pray together. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.